The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Paranormal Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent to the undergrowth. The bright yellow leaves of the birch evoke a sense of transience as one season moves to the next, laying down its yellow carpet. And the maple's newly fallen flares of red and orange left no hint of the giant Bigfoot print. Both roads that morning equally lay in leaves. No step had trotted black, so I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. But just then, I smelled something foul as I heard an odd howl. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Brought to you by WKTV, I'm Wayne Thomas. Welcome. Welcome to another Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. As always, we ask that you please keep an open mind about things that you might not easily believe as we explore the mysterious. Let's start out with meeting my co-host, longtime paranormal investigator, Brandon Jose. Hello, everybody. And then we're having a guest co-host setting in for Kim Colleen. She's been on the show many times, Shatan Noir. Hi, guys. Our featured guest is Linda Pomeranke. Hello. Linda, we've been, this has been uh, anticipated, long anticipated. We want to hear about, you know, what you're doing in the Bigfoot field. If you, people haven't caught on, this is a Bigfoot show tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you can see on your poster there behind you. Tell us about what you're up to uh, with your group and what you're doing in the Bigfoot. Okay. Um, well, I started a new group about two months ago and an investigative group. And we're trying to get out in the field to investigate reports. We're taking reports, citing reports, um, and researching doing that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> it's a new group. There's a couple of people in my group that I've known for a while. Uh, one of them I've known all my life. She actually is my cousin, Lori. Her and her fiance, Bill, are in my group. And we have a young guy from the Flint area. He's a politician, very busy guy. Um, he joined my group, and we have a guy from Southeast Michigan. Um, his name is Jeff Treadway. He's in my group. And right now, we're just waiting to get back out in the field because the weather um, at night here is still so cold in Michigan. So we're having some, uh, some of us are having some trouble uh, getting out at night in this kind of weather. Uh, recently, had a sighting report in central Michigan and we followed up on that. It actually happened like within a week after I got this group together. A woman contacted me and she had a roadside crossing um, in her headlights. She saw a crossing the road. And after talking with her, we went over there and investigated the scene of the crossing, and we found a set of tracks. 
And then later on that night, uh, in the late afternoon, two of us went back. And we were trying to cast um, more tracks. Altogether, we found like three separate sets of tracks in this area. But the traffic was so bad there with semi-trucks on this highway that I had to put a stop to it. Um, I actually almost got ran over <laughs> by a semi-truck. So I said, um, uh, if this isn't worth it, it's not worth losing my life. So uh, maybe there's some that might disagree with that. But it was just a cast track. So we got pictures of the tracks and measurements and all that, you know. But the traffic was so bad. But that's that was kind of neat, though, because that actually was our first investigation um, that we did as a team. And it was just... Uh, not expected to get uh, a sighting report like that just almost immediately. Um, the lady was very frightened. Um, she said all the way home from work, she was on her way to work, she had to call her boyfriend and he had to talk to her the rest of the way home on their cell phone because she was so scared. Um, she turned the corner and onto this highway and there it was uh, up in the middle of the road. She put her brights on and got her brakes. And she saw the profile view, but she didn't uh, see it from the front because it was crossing the road. It was going. Uh, she said it was well over six feet tall, long hair, bipedal, really long arms down to the knees. And it ran across, went ahead and ran across the road, jumped a fence, and went into some woods over there. And she was in shock. And, um, a week later, after this happened, after I contacted her, she, uh, her and her fiancé that she lived with uh, packed up their stuff and they moved to Florida. I don't think that that had anything to do with it, but I, I question that. Now, but Florida's not the place you want to go if you're trying to avoid uh, Bigfoots. Yeah, they're <laughs> high on the list, I know, right? Yeah. You scared her right out of the state. She left the state. She got so scared. Well, she didn't come out and tell me that, but I kind of, I kind of get the impression that might have something to do with it because she she lived right in this area where this thing, uh, occurred, where this crossing occurred. There actually, it was on a river right by the Muskegon River, and there's a whole bunch of houses there on this river. So this is at a highly populated area um i mean there's woods there's lots of woods and state land nearby but still it's a highly populated area right this isn't by your house though right not by your house this isn't by my house this isn't far from my house this is this is west of my house okay it's a different county not in my county i live in midland you're why don't you try turning your volume down a, a little bit more See if that helps because you're still breaking up on our end. And then is that better? Well, we'll find out. And then you're not exactly by West Branch either, right? Where Phil Shaw's from? No. West Branch is north of me. But your area is a lot of sites, a lot of sightings in your area. Uh well, if you look at the BFRO website. They do have some sightings in there for Midland County. Um, most of them are very old. And there, I think there's a lot more sightings that go on that's reported to the BFRO. Uh, I've taken sighting reports from people that uh, have reported sightings right here in this county, and they're, they're not even in the, at the BFRO website, those reports. So basically, it's people that are seeing things, but they're not reporting it to the BFRO. You want people to call you directly for sightings, if they have a sighting? Uh, yes. Yes, I have a cell phone number. Anybody can call me if they have a sighting report. It's 989-404-0807. Excellent. Yeah, I think they heard that. We're still hearing your... Um, 
plenty of volume. So if you can go down a little bit more, I don't know if that's going to help. It's probably not it, but I'm hoping yeah. the show is. Uh, if I turn my volume down, Wayne, I'm not going to be able to hear you at all. Oh, you won't be able I to hear me. Oh, yeah, you yeah, got to be able to hear us. Hear oh, okay. Um, yeah. How about my phone? Well, sometimes you're fine, but maybe it's, it seems like maybe when you're not looking directly at it, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is, but you have Bigfoot Discovery Days coming up, and that's the big thing we mm -hmm. want to talk about, talk about because Phil Shaw was here already, give us a little introduction to that, and Shatan Noir is listed as one of the speakers there, so yep. yeah, so maybe we'll hear about that a little bit. Shatan, what you got planned for, now, Bigfoot Discovery Days, that's over in West Branch. Yes. And that's Iron it. Park. It's uh, Iron Park, right? Yes, it's going to be an outdoor event, um, so hopefully that um, allows us to have a, a good turnout of you know, people who want to come out and listen to it um, with, you know, maintaining the social social distancing. Um, masks are still, you know, going to be important to use, but uh, it's outdoors. It's at Irons Park and we're hoping for good weather and a good turnout and um, hoping everybody wants to come out and, and listen to uh, presentations about Sasquatch, Bigfoot, uh, that hairy man in the forest that we occasionally get a glimpse of. Right. May 15th. So yeah. it's coming up. So I'm glad yeah. we could do these shows beforehand. And now it just so happens that our friends from Grass Paranormal is are putting their paranormal summit on. Yes. Unfortunately, they, they picked the same weekend. So I will be at the Bigfoot um, Discovery Days. Um, last year I did the um the SS City of Milwaukee. Um uh exploration that um and ghost hunt that they had um i think they did it in june last year maybe it was may i i for some reason i, I remember it as june but it could have been may um i did that I last think, year i think it was may and then um covid pushed it back yeah i think they did so, it in june it was originally scheduled in may i think yeah so it's um it's a really cool ship to check out but um this year uh things kind of got changed around so uh, I'm doing Bigfoot um, Discovery Days there in West Branch, and uh, so hopefully they'll find some good uh, some good ghost activity there. But I'm hoping for good Bigfoot activity in West Branch. Right now, Brandon, you're going to Ludington to the Grass Paranormal Summit. Are you going? Yeah, I'm going to be going to that one. So okay, we'll report okay. on that maybe. <laughs> so there's some competition. Yeah, some competition yeah. right there that weekend. Unfortunately. Now, Linda, you're the MC for the uh, for for the town hall meeting. Yes. Okay. And then your speakers, Shatan. What do you plan on talking about then at the Discovery Days? So um, the subject that I'm speaking on is I've I've written a recent article on it that will be in uh, Squatch uh, Digest magazine, but it it has to deal with. Um, how well the Bigfoots can camouflage and people scoff at this idea that, you know, the Bigfoots camouflage themselves to blend in with the woods around them. But there's many species that do this naturally. And I'm bringing with me the facts and information about it to show people the different ways that natural occurring species um, do this on a daily basis to either be ambush predators or um, be less likely to be a prey item and applying it to what we know with, you know, how the Bigfoots um, interact with humans and also um, how it can apply to other cryptid creatures that, um, you know, we, we, get, we get accounts of. So uh, really it, it's going to be quite interesting um, showing the different pictures and um, you know, examples of how uh, animals can just very easily blend into their surroundings. Um, deer, uh, you know, snakes, reptiles, birds, um, you yeah, know. They, owls. Owls yeah, are owls, a good example. Yeah. Do, you, do you think Bigfoot changes its colors to blend in with the I, environment? I, I, 
I think the Bigfoots have adapted their coats to live in the surroundings that they prefer. So your darker brown, black Bigfoots, they like forested areas because they blend in better with the tree trunks. The, the gray um, slate, uh, silvery, you know, colored um, Bigfoots, they blend in better with, you know, rock formations. So they would probably do better in the mountains. Wheaton colored ones, um, you know, the, the reddish um, colored guys, they like cornfields and wheat fields and they tend to, um, like the Ohio grassman, they tend to blend in with those, um, you know, those type of surroundings. So it's, it's about adapting to their environment and, you know, really, um, you know, finding an area where they can be the, you know, the best predators that they can. Right. If they're in that area long enough, they're going to blend in survival of the fittest. So yeah. they're the ones that are going to be surviving. So that trait's going to carry on. Linda, let's talk about some of the other speakers that you are going to be at the Discovery Days. Um, okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> How was that? Yeah, it's the same. Okay. It's I apologize. I don't know what's going on. I still think it's Zoom. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't type yesterday. Um, yeah, we do. Uh, we have Janice uh, um, as a speaker. Janice is supposed to be here. Um, and she's bringing uh, William Henry. With her. Uh, Janice is going to speak. Uh, that's uh, the 50 Years of Bigfoot. And um, trying to think of the other speaker. Oh, Ron Moorhead. Ron yep. Moorhead is going to be there. Now, Ron Moorhead, he's an author. He's got a couple books out, apparently, on Bigfoot. Are you read up on him, Shatan? Yes. Um, I, I know um, about his research and uh, what he's accomplished with with the Bigfoot uh, um, investigations and research. Some of the vocalizations, I believe he highlights. Yep, yep. The, the samurai chatter um, is, is the, the most noteworthy, um, which is really interesting if you ever get to hear the recordings. Um, it's uh, very different than what we, we hear with the, like a, the Ohio howls or, um, you know, um, a couple of the other howls. Yeah, I have a, a example. You did a samurai chatter when you were on one of our shows. You you have one that you do, Shatan. Can you do that for us? <laughs> yeah, we want to hear it. Well, it's it's. It, uh, I just kind of like do the fake kung fu movies, but blah blah and that's kind of what they, you know it sounds like. It sounds um, like a jabbering. Yeah, I've heard that. Linda, do you have a, a hoop or a Bigfoot call that you do when you're out hunting? Uh, yeah, we do different whoops. Um, you why do you want to do one now? Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> if you if you got one, yeah, we want to hear it. Oh, this is awfully loud. Okay. Okay, I'll we'll try see not what happens. To be so loud with it. No, be loud. We've got loud whoops and we've got baby whoops. Okay. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I, that's the one I get the most responses from when I do the siren uh, type call. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We've got responses uh, up in Mayo, up at uh, Karen from the uh, West Bridge Bigfoot Committee. We were at Karen's house one night and uh, I did that and got a call response. Uh, I think it sounded, I, we were thinking it was a good two or three miles away. Uh, this was great. And Phil and them were actually out uh, about a mile away out on a power line when it happened. Uh, so we were kind of separated. Our group was split up into two at night. Uh, but we, I got the call response and then one like at night, Phil came back to the fire and Everybody wanted to know. We went to bed and we set our vehicles out in the yard. And about three o'clock in the morning, we just 
at Karen's house. And I don't know if it was the bear or Bigfoot, but I heard a lot of growling and huffing and going on. And according to Karen, they really don't have any bears around where she lives. So um, we had a recorder out, so I got it on recording. And it sounded like something walked right up to the pine tree that I had my recorder in. And you could hear it growling and huffing and kind of puffing. And it sounded like it was really mad. Um, and Phil was not happy because he slept there the whole day. Well, <laughs> he was in a struggle and didn't wake up. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good story. Sounds like uh, it might have been pretty close. Could you get a scent? Was it stinky? No, I was inside my car with the windows up, and I had been laying down in the back of my car sleeping, and one of the other girls were, were was out, and she actually had a handgun, and she wouldn't get up and out of the car either. I was going to sit up and get up, and I thought, what if it's a bear? I kind of right. got scared, and she still wouldn't get up out of the car, so, yeah. so, so much for being huh? We've kind of, I've asked the question, you know, what do you take on a, for a kit when you're going to hunt Bigfoot? Now, a gun might be a good thing. Yeah, I don't have a gun. I have a knife, but I don't carry a gun personally. But two of my team members have guns. Phil was suggesting maybe like wasp spray might be a, a defense. Yeah, pepper, uh, pepper spray is, is a pretty good deterrent. Um, I always tell people, seeing as you're going into the woods and fields anyways, spray yourself down with DEET because not only will it keep the mosquitoes and ticks off, but it makes you very unpleasant tasting to anything that might want to chew on you. Oh, that's, that's good advice. Remember yeah. that, Brandon. Yeah. Brandon's been up north uh, with Rick Meyer. You guys both know Rick Meyer? Oh, yeah. Rick's a, Rick's a cool guy. Yeah. And so he was up there training for Bigfoot, so... Yeah, he, he needs all this advice. I, do you plan on going back this year, Brandon? For oh, some yeah, definitely, definitely going back up there this fall, probably September or something, I think. Gotta wait till after the camping season's kind of done, so after Labor Day sometime. <laughs> and then Jim, Jim, uh, what's Jim's Sherman. last Sherman. Yeah. Jim Sherman. I understand he's pretty comical, quite a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, he was very entertaining. <laughs> He's a very okay. good. He's a very good storyteller. Yeah, we're going to have those guys on later on in the year, so we're looking forward to that. Now, Phil Shaw has some definite ideas about where Bigfoot hangs out, what he eats. You know, I've I've been putting some stuff online, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to be that guy that has to determine what they're eating. I don't know if you saw, I posted something, I reposted something. It was a big pile of BM. But, and it was apparently, according to Phil, it's aquatic plants mostly that they're eating. And he, he thinks they're hanging out in the swamps. Of course, Michigan. I, has, I believe that. I, th I think Phil is right. Okay. Then we have a, you know, great area in yeah. Michigan. As far as the forest, the swamps, the mm -hmm. cornfields, all the fresh water. Yeah, Phil thinks maybe Michigan might be one of the best um, areas for hunting Bigfoot. Uh, what do you guys consider like the other states that are good Bigfoot uh, states to hunt? Kentucky. I've heard of Kentucky. I think the Great Lakes area as a whole is a pretty good um except for our, you know, if, our, if we have a severe winter. Um, but we have fresh water, we have plenty of food, we have shelter, you know, it, it's a very good area for um, them to live in. And, you know, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, those are all, you know, really good areas for uh, farming, for orchards and corn crops. So, you know, they have a good plentiful food supply because those areas bring in the deer, the rabbits. And so if, if they are omnivores, which means carnivores, um, uh, vegetarians, you know, they, they will use all these different food sources. We also have um, 
within the Great Lakes, we have a nice run of salmon and perch and smelt. So those are those are another food source that they can readily, you know, get a hold of. Yeah, and that's what Phil was saying. He thinks that they're right in the rivers. You know, we have a lot of rivers that run yeah. through Michigan. Yeah. Um, Linda, you mentioned Kentucky. They have the barilla, but I'm not sure if that might be more of a dogman type creature or some of them just created monsters to keep people out of their way from their stills, I think. I think I have not heard of that. What's the other? There's a funny name. There's sheep squatch. There's bat squatch. Um, there's uh, well, the snailigaster is yeah, one. that one, so, the snailigaster. And he's uh, he's more of a, a dragon type creature, um, but he he was essentially created um, by the moonshiners to keep the 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 town folk, the, the law enforcement, and the FBI out of the the mountain wooded areas where they had their stills and they would you know they would explain away the the sounds and the smoke from their stills but they, it was the snallygaster you know getting yeah. I love that name I think they made those stories up to keep the kids under control too also Could like, be. Could yeah be. you can't go out at night because the monster is going to get you yep I love some of the names. It seemed like Phil had his own pet name. He kept referring to them as apes. You well, they, they are considered a primate, um, but they they are unlike the the, the apes that um, you will see, you know, in the zoos. Um, these are much bigger and they're walking on, you know, uh, two legs. And apparently they have a language. I'm not sure about the yeah, age language. Yeah. I'm sure they do too, but it sounds like maybe uh, Sasquatch is a little more complicated language. Linda, do you do uh, like knocks when you're out there in the woods too? Wood knocks? Nope. Oh, you don't like that approach? I don't do what we don't do wood knocks. Okay. Um, we've always I actually got better luck with uh, calls, doing calls. Now, there's a whole list of things that they do uh, whistles, which people might not think uh, that that's something that they would do. And the scream. I'm not sure about the screams. You know, we had we played a fox screaming. Yes. When Shatan was in here in this very yes. studio right here that I'm in. And it sounds like it's maybe a little kid like screaming bloody murder. It's mm -hmm. it was scary. It was it was something when we played yeah. that. Yeah. Foxes make a wide variety of uh, frightening noises. Yeah, I, I have fox. I, I have a family of foxes that live on my property, and they have very interesting vocalizations. And but their scream that they do, um, until you get used to it, and you've heard it about a hundred times. Uh, that first hundred times, especially at night, it catches you off guard and it just, uh, uh, especially when they wake you up out of a sleep with it, it's like, damn, you know, stop that. <laughs> yeah, I can play a couple. Uh, I think Bob, I have one by Bob. Oh. That's a samurai chatter. Samurai yep. chatter by yep. Bob right there, right? Um, I'm going to play that one again. It sounded a lot like yours, Shitan, I thought. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other one is, um, if I got, I hope I got the right one. Yeah, that's that's Bobo. Ohio Howl. Okay. And then that's that sounded like Bobo. Yeah, that's Bobo, right. The second one is a female that's in a competition. Hers was a little higher. She won the competition by doing that one. I, I, I think that you would be able to distinguish if you're out in the woods, whether it was a coyote or a wolf or whatever, because they're they're different than uh, than what a wolf makes or a coyote. I think. 
But there are other things that we, that's what we said that that can confuse these screams that the fox do are are very scary and loud and I, I could see where that could be confused with it. But there's a definite language out there and they appear to be intelligent is what I'm hearing from the Bigfoot people. Very inquisitive, but yet shy at the same time. They'll look in your windows, but yet you, you can't get too close to them. They're very elusive. Yes. How many encounters do you think you've had, Linda? Oh, for Bigfoot? Yeah. Um, Gosh, you know, I never thought about that. Uh, I know for sure I've seen one. That, that was like a classic sighting when I was younger. Uh, other than that, I not face, not any face-to-face encounters, but uh, I've had them close enough to me to where they went to our campsite and screamed at us. Oh, right. I, at twilight. Um that kind of thing. And then uh, recently, I've got one on an IR at a cabin. It was hiding in the grass, and you could see the head, and you can see the eyes. The eyes and everything in the head and the IR. <laughs> but you can't see the body because it's down in this really tall grass that surrounded the perimeter of this cabin that we were in. And I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I mean, I can't say for sure. It definitely wasn't a person. Uh, well, this was like, you know, it's pitch black out there. There's no people around where uh, there was two girls at this cabin, uh, me and another team member. And I had been doing calls. So we asked for it. We were trying to call, call something in. Um, and that was the one night. And the other night we got a pack of... I don't know what they were. Uh, at first, I thought they were coyote because I know there's coyote there. Um, but the thing howled, and then five seconds later, a whole pack of these things started howling, and they were right by the camp, and they all packed up, and the whole pack took off, and it sounded like uh, it sounded like coyotes with strep throat or something. It just they didn't sound normal. Okay. And when we heard this, uh, we looked at each other and we're thinking, is that a pack of dogmen? Or something. I, we don't know. We've never heard coyotes that sounded like this. It was very strange. Um, so that did make us a little leery about uh, running around that night after that. We kind of stayed up by the cabin. <laughs> So Phil, Phil's going to be talking about shelters. Apparently he's come across quite a few. He has pictures of them. Have you come across shelters when you're out hunting Bigfoot? Uh, I think maybe two or three. Um, oh. There's one that we found at this cabin about 50 yards out. My co-team member seems to think that it was probably used for a nursery maybe at one time. Um, there was the shelter, and then there was a big asterisk right next to it. You could see the asterisk formation, and I don't know if you know what the asterisk is, but you know, it's the, they take the branches and they weave them. Okay. And I've they're heard of the weaving. And they form a big asterisk. Yeah, okay. I've heard of the weaving the branches, right? Yeah. Shatan, uh, you've been to other states hunting Bigfoot, have you also? Yeah, I. I do quite a bit of traveling and uh, not just, you know, Bigfoot, but dog man, like monsters. Um, so I'm, I'm always, you know, looking. Have you come across structures? Um, I've, you know, I've come across some interesting things in the woods and it's, you want to say it's Bigfoot, but you can never like uh, discount the human uh, hoaxer, you know, element. So, um, you know, I, I know that, uh, nearby where I live, uh, in Kensington, I know that a couple of people have found what they thought were tree structures. And, um, but when you do some research into it, you find that it's, it's actually where the Boy Scouts go and they learn how to build survival structures. Oh, 
And so it kind of dismisses the Bigfoot, you know, element. Um, I think to truly find the Bigfoot structures, you got to get out, you know, deeper into the woods and off the beaten paths. Um, and then hope that you get back after you, you go looking for them. Oh, yeah. 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 You don't want to get lost in the woods. I've had that happen. That's very scary. Now, I've built structures in the woods for blinds for deer blinds or turkey blinds so i know that i've done that but i haven't gone to remote areas to do it but some of these structures are like rocks big rocks piled on yeah. top of rocks other rocks it's pretty interesting and then big boulders up in trees way up in trees yeah so. now those those i would those i would you know um attribute to the bigfoot but just, you know, um, a couple of, uh, you know, tree branches, you know, um, stacked against each other or, you know, formed into a T or something like that. You, you, you can never tell if that's, you know, deadfall or if it's, it's a human being who has just decided, you know, they're going to have some fun and, and see if uh, anybody ever, you know, comes across their antics. Right. And there are hoaxes out there. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Phil has come across a whole lot of them like he says if someone takes the time to report something they're probably serious about it and unfortunately a lot of these reports these sightings go unreported people don't want to be right. that person that gets the label maybe they're crazy or yeah you're a little bit nuts you know you're seeing things in the woods or whatever you saw an alien or you saw a ghost they don't want that label of being crazy I think that's that's unfortunate because they if they don't come forward and then we can't put all the pieces together right. like we need to. Yeah, but now what do we want to go for from here? Now we've talked a little bit about language, we've talked about uh, structure. What about you think that Bigfoot has any defenses um, built into their, their own? I know the smell could be a deterrent. I don't know if that's something that they can spray out like a skunk does, but I've heard that the smell is just terrible. Sewer. Like sewer smell? Sewer smell. Oh. Yep. Yeah, that's a terrible smell. But what they can do, there's theories about this sound. This Different sound. Make. Yeah. Now that Different is... Sound. That would be a good defense there where they can paralyze. Tigers have the ability, elephants, whales. Lions, lions have it. Rhinoceros have that. So it it could they could very well have that ability where they can just paralyze people with a, a low, a very low tone. Well, let me let me tell you this story real quick. Um, about two autumns ago. Um, paranormal team that I work with, we decided we would investigate here um, close by my house at the Howell Theater, which is notorious because it has a ghost lion um, that lives there. A what? Uh, a ghost lion. Oh, um, the, the, the lion came into town with a circus. For whatever reason, they had to put him to sleep. He was buried behind the theater. So that's where his spirit takes up residence. So as we were given the tour of the theater, the first, you know, uh, few minutes, the the tour, the guide takes us behind the, the, the curtains uh, and screens to where it is the back vaudeville theater stage. Well, there's a loft up above that the, the line is supposedly, you know, likes to sleep on. So there was about 10 of us and we all got hit with a blast of infrasound. Oh. Now, nobody realized it until everybody started complaining of a, a very um, anxious feeling in their chest. And then about five minutes later, everybody had um, the, the, their neck and shoulder muscles were in knots. And it took a minute um, you know, of everybody complaining. I said, oh my gosh, we just got, we got hit with infrasound. The lion was mad that we woke it up from a nap and it hit us with infrasound. And this was a group of 10 people who did not know that this could happen. I knew it because I had done some research into it. And so if a ghost animal yeah, right. can hit you, 
can hit you with a wave that will that actually causes physical pain and discomfort in 10 different people. Imagine what a Bigfoot can do, a flesh and blood creature that is about twice the size of a human um, and with more, you know, substance to them. Imagine the kind of sound that they can produce and hit people with. Right. I brought up with Phil that they use sound to melt my nerves in my back for pain. So if, if you know, sound yeah. can melt yeah. you know, your flesh, can, you know, if they have that ability, I would think that would be a real good uh, defense for them. You talked about camouflage. Yeah. That would be a defense for them. And I'm not sure if the skunky smell would be a defense, but it would let you know they're around at least. <laughs> I think that could be important. Well, most, most people don't stay around in an area when they smell skunk. Uh, right. I know, I, I know, I for one, generally try to get away from the area that I'm smelling the skunk smell because I don't want to be a, you know, skunk. Um, so that, that right there should be a pretty good deterrent. <laughs> um you know to, to get away with you know from people with right i know um doug Highcheck was uh i just interviewed him a couple of weeks ago but he and i um were discussing a um a scent he's he's creating it's called stink stank stunk and it's actually the essence of bigfoot so that you can you know people are going to try to use this to draw bigfoots into the area and i said well I said, do you have, uh, I said, seeing as you're formulating this and it's based off of skunk, which is an oil-based scent, I said, do you have the de-skunk recipe? He said, what's that? I said, it's something that groomers have been using for about 20 years now. So I sent him the recipe. He said, I didn't even know that existed. I said, you're welcome. Because <laughs> if you have any accidents in the lab, you're going to want that formula. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, they say that sightings go back centuries. They're worldwide on every continent except Antarctica. So Bigfoot's been around and been seen for every place for years. It, it just, Linda, you talked about how you thought maybe this one structure you came onto was maybe where they had babies. That's what I'm saying. They need a place to have babies because. First time we talked with Phil, he's going, oh, I don't think they need structure too much because, you know, they're hairy and they don't need a whole lot of cover. But I think babies need cover. They need a nest yeah. somewhere. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. we were thinking this might have been for uh, a nursery, like for a newborn, like for a very young baby, a place uh, of shelter. Uh, it was a structure that was teepeed up against a tree that type of structure where you see where they come down off the tree. And I mean, it, it obviously it was placed. Um, at that time we had, we had a team member with us. This was during the day and, and he was still there. Jeff was with us and he's an expert woodsman. Um, and he even said that everything looked placed. Um, the asterisk, everything looked placed. Um, none of this was deadfall. Uh, most of this stuff you find down is deadfall, um, you know, and yeah, if it's in a highly populated area where there's a lot of people in question, you know, uh, whether kids did it, we'll place it there. Um, but when you're out in the woods where you know these things are and the area that we were in, we already know that the Bigfoots are there because we've already had experiences there in this area so we know there's that lives there uh, this was the first time to be at that cabin over us and we actually were only probably a mile from a different area that we have been researching for the last couple of years so we know there's a clan in the area um oh, and that's why I, did, I was trying to see if i could call this clan over i believe that after they see you every year, uh, you know, they see you for a couple of weeks, I think, um, I think they can remember you, you know, oh, right. I think they, I believe they remember my vehicle, my car, 
because they've been up around my car in the summertime. Um, I think they remember things. Either I think they're just as intelligent um, as humans, and right. they have the capabilities just like humans do. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's why, my own belief. You know, hypothesis. I think that's why they're not ending up in traps, is because they're smarter than that. But what would be a good bait if you want to attract a Bigfoot? What's what's the best way to attract a Bigfoot? What's your good bait? Women and children. <laughs> Uh, it's not advisable. I would never use kids. <laughs> yeah. I would have children, but, um, I think they're attracted to, uh, women that when women are out, researchers are out by themselves, it seems like we get more activity than we do when the guys are with us. Okay. Chitan, what do you think's good Bigfoot bait? Oh, well, I'm asking Chitan what she thinks oh. is good Bigfoot bait. Um, you know, I, I would think, uh, food items that they right. really get once or twice a year, um, are probably pretty popular, especially if you, if you, um, you know, put some, uh, thought into the migratory paths of, you know, following the, the food crops, you know, around the state as they become available. So, um, if you know that they are particularly fond of different, um, types of fruit, um, putting those uh, available when they're out of season, that could possibly, you know, uh, get their attention. Um, but I think um, using different primate calls would probably be um, also a way of uh, getting some attention from them. Um, you know, there, there's uh, so many different calls you can just go to a zoo with a, with a recorder and, uh, you know, walk around the different primate enclosures and you'll pick up different sounds, different, um, uh, you know, noises that they make. And then, you, you know, just using those um, to see what kind of response you get. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. The food, you know, hunting deer and, and bear, I've hunted that. And sometimes they allow baiting, sometimes they don't. Um, but it seems like with Bigfoot, there aren't really any restrictions as, as far as what you can do. I'm interested, Linda's from Oklahoma. That's where they just came up with this bill to have a Bigfoot season and sell licenses to hunt uh, Bigfoot. Now, I was pretty upset about that when I first read it, and then I read into it more, and it's it's for to trap Bigfoot, not to kill yes. Bigfoot. I think they yes, it's not to kill Right. They want they need stuff to protect Bigfoot and other cryptids, not have people out there ready to shoot them. All right. There should not be a reward if you shoot something like that. It should be a big fine. Oh, right. An, and if anybody's injured, they cannot collect the reward either. If they're what? If there are any injuries in the oh. capture of the Bigfoot, okay. then they cannot collect the reward. So no people can be injured. Or the Bigfoot can't be injured, but supposedly no people can be injured in this uh, expedition also. Or you can't collect the reward money. Okay. So you being, from, you being from your home state, Oklahoma, you've read into this then. Yeah. You, you checked yeah. it out. Well, oh, cool. the guy the guy that, that came up with this bill, I mean, he, he, he put a target on himself. Uh, he's a target. There's a lot of people that they are really upset with this guy. Oh yeah. You know, I was upset. And they're not happy. Yeah, I was upset about it. Yeah, and something that we talked about is like Phil talked about. He he found some hair or some scat. Now, what do we do with it? Do we do we have the funds to actually take this somewhere and get it tested? And I wondered, are is there a fund? for Bigfoot for like, for something like that. And I read up on it a little bit. One guy made a living 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year hunting Bigfoot. And he had an arrangement with one of the universities that they could take evidence there and then they would examine the evidence for them. But is there a fund out there, a general fund that you guys are putting money into so you can get things tested? No, no Not fund? that I'm aware of. I don't, I don't think so. Um... Uh, you know, a lot of people think that it's 
it's inexpensive to do this DNA testing, eDNA testing, and it's really not. Um, if you have a, a network behind you that wants evidence to, you know, showcase on, on TV or these streaming services, yeah, you, the sky is the limit for how many samples you can, uh, you know, have processed and identified. But really, when you're in the field um, and you're a field researcher, uh, you really have to know what you're looking at um, in order to save yourself, you know, time and misery of, oh, hey, that's a dog here, you know, that's, that's canine or... Um, that big, know, big pile of poo is not what you think it is. Right. I'm hoping that there is a fund, that there, that there will be one in the future so people that can get their evidence uh, checked out, uh, whether it's nationally or locally, whatever. But we need to move on with the show. We can get into the final uh, parts of the show. Uh, get into shout outs. Um, our last guest here was Marie Cisneros with Paranormal Muskegon. Yep. Yep, our friend now. And uh, she was interesting. You never know what Marie's going to talk about because... I mean, she she does the whole paranormal and Bigfoot, too. I said, you need to be, do Bigfoot. She goes, she wasn't sure of any sightings in the Muskegon area, but there have been some Bigfoot sightings in the Muskegon area, I know. So shout out to her. And then Mama Mary Bassett with Cryptic Frequencies. We tried to Zoom over to the UK with uh, Paranormal Path, uh, Jacqueline Dixon, and we tried to do it with uh, Zoom with uh, Todd Clements, but we're not getting that out. So I don't know if, if anyone's ever going to see that show. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then I had someone send me a book. You know, we love, we, we love promoting authors. Um, first of all, here's, here's a couple books you might recognize. Uh, <laughs> Mothman by yep. none other than Chetan Noir. And uh, this one is uh, the Lake Monsters and Creatures of the Great Lakes. Also authored yep. by Shatan Noir. We like to feature these two books when you're on. I know you have other books out there, but those are the two that we like to feature. But someone sent me this book, The Feminine Macabre. Yep. I, I, uh, <laughs> I have people who ask me to, to contribute. I just didn't have the time. because um, I Oh, to write books. something for it? Yeah. I, I, I oh, that's too bad. I didn't have the time. To get to get a piece in there, just because I I write so much for the magazines that I write for, um, I just didn't have time to get anything in there for it. That's too bad because this is all female authors. This yep. whole book, female authors, and it's all different subjects. Yep. Um, so I'm several chapters into it already, but the person that sent it to me, she's got a chapter in here on a yep. a V. It's some kind of a spirit box. I don't know if Brandon's uh, familiar with this type of a uh, spirit box or not. It's a VR ghost box, they call it. And so that's what her chapter is about. So I love this book. Like I say, I'm several uh, chapters into it already. Then upcoming and ongoing. Now, of course, the big thing is what we, the Bigfoot Discovery Day is May 15th. Yep. Well, that's the big thing that Sutan's going to be there. Then there's going to be emceeing that for, for them so that's going to be fun it's going to be out in the park so come to that you don't, you don't have to worry about mm -hmm. distancing you're outside already so unless you're over there on the ship with brandon you can go to the bigfoot <laughs> well, big we got bigfoot ones there too because we got a couple we got rich is going to be speaking at ours too oh we'll get so some bigfoot stuff there too <laughs> okay and yeah. then i mentioned oklahoma had their bigfoot thing already and then Chitan's got another one she's going to be at, and that's the Michigan Bigfoot Conference. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, that one is going to be July 18th in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It is being uh, hosted by the Lost Cryptids Conservancy, and we have uh, quite a nice lineup of presenters. We um, have two different ballrooms or uh, convention rooms, so one track of speakers is strictly Bigfoot, and then the other track is paranormal. And I think we have a UFO person, um, lots of vendors. And it's at, um, uh, it's in Ann Arbor. So 
you know, easy to get to um, from, you know, any different point uh, in the state. And that, you know, like I said, that will be July 18th, but we have speakers um, for Bigfoot, uh, Ken Gearhart, uh, Adam Davies, um, you know, those are two very well-known cryptozoologists. So they will be there. Um, I will be presenting also at that conference. Um, so come on out and enjoy it. And then the weekend after um, the May Bigfoot uh, West Branch event, I will be in Houghton Lake at the Haunted Heights Paracon. Um, Rhonda uh, Spears, um, she'll be putting that on. So I will be there um, presenting. And uh, other than that, I will be traveling, doing expeditions, uh, headed to Vermont for uh, CHAMP. Uh, the lake monster there and uh, Gettysburg and West Virginia and uh, who knows where else. <laughs> well, you'll be back here in May. Yep. yep. We'll, be, we'll be talking with you in May. May is for us for is authors. It's you and uh, Exy Susan Smith, a couple of uh, great authors for that month here. And then, yeah, the Bigfoot, uh, the Michigan Bigfoot Conference, you have Michigan speakers and national speakers. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that's going to be a fun time. And then 2021 UP Bigfoot Conference is Saturday, August 14th at St. Ignace. So that's another one uh, that's uh, upcoming. Uh, Linda, do you have anything else planned besides emceeing at your uh, Bigfoot Discovery Days? Well, <clears throat> After the conference is over, some of us plan on going out on a little expedition. Uh, we're going to make up there our base camp, and we plan on going out into the field, hopefully both with uh, Ron Morehead and Janice Carter. Cool. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking, actually looking forward I think more to that than the conference itself. Yeah, I think, yeah, that sounds like fun yeah. to me too, right? Yeah. Now, we like to do a final thought. And right now at the theater, the big thing is um, Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> so our, I want to scale that down some and go Bigfoot versus Dogman. Who wins? <laughs> who wins? Bigfoot versus Dogman. Brandon, you want to start? Oh, oh, Linda wants to start. She says Bigfoot's going to win that one. Yep, Bigfoot, what do you think? right here. Yeah, Here's Brandon, what do you think? Who's going to win that one and why? It's tough to say because I don't really know as much about Dogman, but I think Bigfoot has some advantages, but I think Dogman seems to seem like it might be more vicious, so it's hard to – might not be the size of the dog in the fight with the <laughs> fight in the dog. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> right? Now, Shatan, she got both sides of this because she's – the North American Bigfoot person from Michigan. So, no, uh, North American Dogman Project. Or Dogman, so right. I, I'm going to say it would be Dogman because they hunt in packs. And one Bigfoot versus a equally sized um, canine version of itself might be, you know, an equal battle, but uh, pit him against five Dogmen and we'll see who comes out on top. Yeah, see, well, that's that not even odds. I know and that was going to be my answer too because I don't think Dogman's going to play fair. Linda, you yep. even said they, they travel in a pack, so yep. Dogman's going to start out and he's vicious, he's not eating aquatic plants, you know, he's eating, yeah. he's tearing flesh. So, yeah, I have to go with uh, Dogman on that one. Most of us believe, the researchers believe that Bigfoot usually is not alone either, though. You might see, but there's probably more around that you're not seeing. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they may. And they start uh, howling. They could end up with uh, more than one Bigfoot also. But I I think for sure uh, Dogman is not going to play fair, right? No. So it's an inspirational thought, and then the show is over. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for joining this. The inspirational thought comes from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and Emerson said, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Uh, you women have been blazing a trail and I appreciate it. I appreciate your effort. Uh, keep it up, keep up the good work. 
Brandon, he's a trailblazer. He's been doing the ghost hunting, uh, turned into a paranormal investigator now for a decade. So nothing but trailblazers here on the screen. I appreciate that. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Peace You're out. welcome. Thank you. Family-owned Plurimo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. Located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.